This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Yeah, that's right. This is the Steelers Standard. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Schedule gets released later tonight. We do know the Steelers' opponents, however. As always, two dates with the Bengals, two dates with the Browns, two dates with the Baltimoreans. Tough division this year, the AFC North. Three teams that I think could stake claim to the crown and one team in the Cincinnati Bengals that is, of course, getting better and better. Uh, as who they did tr- you say made that list of uh I don't know. I, I couldn't remember who made the list. It was like Fox or something. Just but they one put of the, the AFC North number is two. number two. The number yeah. two best division in the and NFL. I think that's fair. Yeah. You could definitely make the argument. I think the West is far and away the best. I think the West could, for the first time, have all four teams make the playoffs this year if things pan out in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking with Jimmy G as their starting quarterback because, let's be honest with you, they went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy B just two years ago. Jimmy G just two years ago. That team is, for the most part, still intact. They had so many injuries, so many COVID problems to deal with last season. I mean, there was a game they played uh, against, I believe, the Packers, where they like barely had a football team on the field. It mm-hmm. was like a bunch of backups were playing against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So they were ravaged last season. So they still have a ton of talent on that roster. And they have a really good head coach in Shanahan. I, I wouldn't put it past the Niners sneaking uh, into playoff contention, but all four teams I think are solid in that West. The East, like I said, three or the North, AFC North, three teams real solid. I'd say two teams real solid. One team, you know, hoping to be solid, kind of trying to avoid that downturn, hoping to put one last year together in the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then the Bengals are building themselves back mm-hmm. up. But you know. Best way to win the division is to take care of your games against your divisional opponents. Uh, for the most part, the Pittsburgh Steelers did that last year, splitting with the Browns, splitting with the Bengals. Uh, that split with the Bengals really, really stung. And <laughs> sweeping the Baltimore Ravens, so they went 4-2. and two. That's real solid against the division of that caliber. Uh, probably should have gone 5-1. and one. And the Browns game that they lost, it was with their B team, and they almost won it. So mm-hmm. they really had a good stranglehold on the division opponents last year. This year might not be the same story. Uh, starting with the team that they need to get two games from, the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, you couldn't earn the split against, or you couldn't earn the sweep against the Bengals last year. This year, you need to almost even more because of how much better the Browns have gotten and the Ravens always being a stalwart as far as contending for the AFC North crown. Mm-hmm. You got to sweep the Bengals. The problem is the Bengals are getting better, and in some people's mind, the Steelers might be getting just a little bit worse. Uh, the only thing I would say about this, though, is you're not going to lose. I hate everybody's going to think I'm crazy because they did lose last year to a terrible quarterback. But I just don't think you're going to lose unless Joe Burrow goes out there and beats you. Yeah, uh, I think that the Bengals M.O. this coming season, and we kind of touched on this on our previous episode we did, is going to be scoring points. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the defense is going to be good enough to win them games by a score of like 17 to 10 or like 20 to 13 or something like that. I think the Bengals wins are going to come in shootouts this year if uh, they're going to score 30 points. And thank God the Steelers have such a formidable defense that maybe they can hold the Bengals offense in check, stop Joe Mixon on the ground, stop that passing attack of Burrow. And again, that line for the Bengals is still suspect. So they should be able to get a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow and force him into some mistakes, get him on the ground a lot. So... I think as far as the Steelers go against the Bengals, you know, their defense doesn't scare you. You could run the ball with Najee. You could 
beat him by through the air with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I don't see any real threat on that side of the ball for the Bengals. So I just think as long as the Steelers' defense can keep that offense in check, you, you earn that sweep against the Bengals. And, again, can't stress enough how important a sweep against Cincinnati is this year. Yeah, but, it's, it's, yeah. it's almost a must-have if you're the Steelers because you just don't know what you're up against with the Ravens and the Browns right. as far as you can't really factor in at least one win between those teams. Yeah, you might. I mean, you the best ca- one of the best, I mean, maybe best-case scenario is you split with both Baltimore and Cleveland. That, that You know what I mean? That way you can get the 4-2 four to four and two. But you have to sweep Baltimore, uh, Cincinnati. You have to sweep Cincinnati. If you don't do that, if you go three and three, you can pretty much, pretty much, ke- you know, kiss the division goodbye. Hell, maybe a you know, loss against Cincinnati keeps you out of the playoffs. I'm not saying you know that that's a for sure. But if you go three and three in the division, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. Um, and I mean, then again, they did sweep Baltimore last year, believe it or not. I mean, I know they played one game against the Baltimore, you know, um, COVID ravaged team, but still. Um, they still swept Baltimore. But when you look at Cincinnati, um, the thing that does worry you is if you don't get consistent pressure on Burrow, and we've talked so much about the Steelers' corners and um, how it's not very deep, you look at all the wide receivers that Cincinnati That's has. That's what I was saying. That's what I'm concerned about is the corner matchup with the Bengals receivers is is a mismatch. Yeah. waiting favor for the Bengals. Yeah. Right. I mean, you look at all the guys they have, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, now with Jamar Chase. So the, that's why it's got to be you got to get to Burrow. You have to. Like, yeah. I mean, if you he can't... has time, they're going to get open. They also right. still, we said in a Steelers Saturday episode last year during the season, uh, during a, a spin the wheel segment, we said in the coming draft, we didn't really know what was going to unfold in the, the rest of the regular season and the offseason, but we said, what do, the, what do the Bengals need to do first? Do they need to address their lack of a defense entirely, or do they need to protect Joe Burrow? And I don't think they did really either. They didn't of do those. either. They just yeah. got him a shiny new toy. They just got him a one of his favorite targets of his Lifetime, I mean, it, an unbelievable connection they had two years ago at LSU. Now, but they did shore the lineup in the second round with Jackson sure. Carmen, who's probably going to be a starter. But Jackson Carmen isn't Penny Sewell. Exactly. I, I just don't see how they were able to mess it up so ba- so badly, unless, as Kellen has pointed well, out, did you see the Lions' war room when they got Sewell? When they, were they were going crazy. I don't think they had any idea that he was going to no. fall past the Bengals and then fall and then past the, the Dolphins. Dolphins too. So, yeah, like, wild. They knew. And every Everybody said before the draft that Penny Sewell was like the most surefire. You can't say this, so it's kind of laughable when scouts say this, but they did say out of all of them, surefire Hall of Famer, it's probably Penny Sewell. Which is wild, but that just goes to show, I guess, how negligent the Bengals were in actually protecting Joe Burrow. And yeah, it's not like they had a left tackle that was fringe where you could kind of be like, well, give him another year. Like right. they needed him. They needed they line ne- help. It didn't matter where you put Penny Sewell, line him up anywhere. That's the guy's going to be the best offensive lineman they have, no matter the position. And it's just remarkable to me that they didn't capitalize on that that opportunity. And yes, they do have these receivers, but I still think that in in a matchup with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's offense will be able, to, especially now with Najee Harris. The Pittsburgh offense will be able to outscore the Cincinnati offense just because I think Pittsburgh has a better offense to defense matchup. And I think that the lack of protection around Burrow, sure, he has this great these great offensive weapons, but he has no one to help him get rid of the ball. So, guys, Tyler Boyd is their number one receiver. Um, Joe Hayden probably draws that matchup unless they decide to just take whoever lines up on their side of the field and Sutton and Hayden's stay put on their sides and just match up against whoever lines up across from them. But 
you got Boyd and you got Higgins. So those are two pretty solid wide receivers. Boyd is, I think, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Um, you got him and you got Higgins as far as your matchups for Hayden and Sutton. And you've got this guy named Jamar Chase, who was <laughs> their first-round draft pick, the guy they took over Penny Sewell. And, again, criticized the pick based on they needed the offensive lineman more. But you can't criticize the pick based on this guy's talent and his ability to potentially become a number one receiver in the NFL one day. Guys, that's James Pierre. That's Justin Lane. That's mm-hmm. Shakur Brown. That's Cam Sutton if he bumps inside, and that means that Justin Lane and James Pierre have to take on T. Higgins. Like, that's where it really bothers me. Uh, Sutton and Hayden are, you know, not the best tandem. It's certainly not as good as the Nelson and Hayden tandem was, but I can at least respect them matching up against any wide receiver in the NFL. They've been there, done that. But when you get down to that number three, that three on three matchup Mm -hmm. and it's Jamar chase versus whoever comes out as the Steelers camp as that three guy. And it might not even be chase. You might flip flop to, you know, maybe T Higgins drops down and Jamar chase is the number two wide receiver after training camp for the Bengals. But even still, that's where the huge mismatch comes Mm -hmm. into play is that three on three, as far as wide receiver, three and cornerback three for the Steelers is concerned. You can get away with Hayden and Sutton guarding Boyd, Chase, or Higgins, but that's where they could really have that game breaker is yep. that matchup with the Lane or the Pierre. And that's that's why the losing of Nelson and then Hilton leaving in free agency, That's that's this is a perfect example of why it's going to be a hold-your-breath kind of season when it comes to facing teams with uh, receiving firepower. We even talked about this in our last episode. First week against the Bills, it's the same story. It's the same you got story. three guys that are so good that that third cornerback is going to have to go up against Manny Sanders, maybe. Right. He could cut you up. Yeah, he could. Um, I mean, and that's, I think, going to be a theme really throughout the entire year with the Steelers in their defense going up against, you know, teams that have multiple wide receiver options. And, and most of the, the good ones, at least, most of the good teams in the NFL do have it. I mean, I know Cincinnati isn't a good team, but they have a really good receiving core. They have three capable guys. Um, I mean, that's going to be a theme all year long is the the cornerback matchups against wide receivers. And I know that it's just not it's not all on the cornerbacks. I know everybody plays defense. I know linebackers cover guys. I know safeties. You know they they have their their role in coverage. And it's not just the cornerback matchups. I understand that. But at the same time, you know when you're putting. James Pierre and Justin Lane on the field all the time, which the Steelers are going to have to do. Um, it's it doesn't exactly sound all that that great when you have those three, you know, those two guys on the field, and they're going to cover guys like Jamar Chase. I mean, you, you look at the Denver Broncos, KJ Hamler, and, and Cortland Sutton, and and, and all those guys. Um, and, I mean, it just keeps going down the list. And then the Chiefs you play this year too. How in the world are those guys going to cover? Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you know what I mean? Like it, that it's... Chiefs Steelers game is gonna be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it it just really, really is. is. I mean, Najee Harris better run the ball forty times. Yeah, and, and he better have two hundred rushing field, yards. Yeah. And they better have a time of possession of averaging like nine minutes a possession because mm-hmm. oh, oi. It's we, scary. But we it's just terrifying. talked about the Buffalo game in week one saying how Tama doesn't do this thing where he You're gets right. blown out by You're good right. teams. He, he can, right. he, it's not that, you know, they're always competitive, but he keeps it interesting enough that it's not always a blowout. Right. Even though the Bills are right there with the Chiefs, too, as far as, you know, they went to the AFC Championship game last year. They've got a young quarterback. They've got talent at the receiver position. They're a superstar offense. It's still different when you see Chiefs, right? Like, you still get fear struck in your heart more so than any team that you're facing in the NFL when you see Kansas City Chiefs. Am I wrong about that? I just feel like 
you see Chiefs on the schedule. There's other teams that are contenders and good, but it's just like a different gear. And mm-hmm. I know them saying that coming them coming off of a Super Bowl loss last year. But still, it just feels like they're playing a different sport sometimes. Yeah, it really does. I mean, and, and that's the way that the football is going. And hopefully the Steelers, you know, kind of follow suit. We've been talking about that with the Canada offense. But, yeah, I, I mean, again, I think you're going to hear more often than than not when it comes to the Steelers season this year, when you look at, um, you know, opposing offenses, the question marks is going to be, you know, the defense. And, and not necessarily the guys up front, but it's the guys covering and and. Will they consistently be able to slow good wide receiving tandems mm-hmm. down? I don't know. I mean, as of right now, I would say consistently no, but we haven't seen a game yet. We're sitting here in May. Baltimore Ravens, Steelers' biggest rival in the NFL. Fair to say, I think there's no one really close at this point. These two teams love to hate each other. I think this is the best matchup for the Steelers, honestly. And I know that you know the Bengals are the worst team, but the Bengals have so much firepower as far as their passing game is concerned, and I think the part of the Steelers' defense that I'm most suspect about is that passing defense right now. So although the Ravens as a whole are a much better team than the Bengals, you know, I think the Steelers match up against the Baltimore Ravens pretty damn well. You know, I know they got destroyed by the Ravens on the ground last year for the tune of over 200 yards, almost 300 yards, so that's not good. Still able to pull out the win, though. But, you know, I think you have a singular focus on stopping the run. Stopping Lamar Jackson's feet, stopping J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards on the ground, you kind of have the Ravens stuck at that point because now they are forced to pass the ball. Another part of it is getting up early in the game, making mm-hmm. sure that they're down and have to chase you. Um, but, you know, if it's Lamar Jackson having to drop back and you can contain him in that pocket so he's not going to scramble and, and gash you for 15 yards when no one's open, Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins, rookie Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay, Miles Boykin, none of those guys strike real fear into your heart. Marquise Brown can hit you with the deep ball, but other than that, if you don't let him take the top off, he's a very one-dimensional player. He reminds me like Mike Wallace when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe a little faster than Wallace, but still. you know, Very one-dimensional. The tight end Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle, those are two really solid tight ends, but you know, hopefully Devin Bush, healthy, can start to exercise those Steelers covering tight ends demons that they've had because he's so big, he's so fast, he shouldn't have a problem being able to stay in coverage with those guys. And their offensive line isn't great either. Big Alejandro Villanueva sliding in at that right tackle. T.J. Watt's about to eat his lunch all day long when Mm -hmm. they end up playing against the Ravens both times this season. So, you know, as far as – we didn't get to the defensive side yet, but as far as the Ravens' offense is concerned, I think – for the current Steelers defense, it's a really good matchup. It is, and I mean, we've talked about um, we've talked about the Ravens, and uh, I think the Steelers have done a really good job in their time of defending Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. They've done a great job against him. I know it's only been what two games in in two years because um, was it two years ago the Ravens already had a playoff spot locked up in our G3 played and then last year with the COVID thing. But in the games that he has played in, I mean, the prime example is the first game against them last year um, where, you know, the first offensive play of the game for the Ravens was a pick six. And that was the kind of the difference in the game. Uh, they forced a fumble. The Steelers did in uh, with like goal to go for the Ravens that, that the Steelers recovered. Right. That was a huge flip of momentum. Um, they've done really well against Lamar Jackson and better than any team in it. I mean, yeah, and it being that they play him twice, I know they haven't played him twice yet in the season, but they've done a really nice job against him. And you mentioned the wide receivers, Tom. I mean, even with Pierre and Lane playing against those guys, they don't necessarily scare me. You know what I mean? Like, those are guys that I think 
Lane and Pierre could have some success with. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, hold the Ravens to less than, you know, 150 or less than 200 passing yards. I think that's crazy to think in this day and age of the NFL, but that's, you know, the that matchup doesn't scare me at all for the Steelers corners. I know that it's not necessarily a great group, but it's not a great group of wide receivers either. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at the Ravens and the Steelers, it's strength on strength. And really, the one thing the Ravens do really well is run the ball. Well, the one thing the Steelers do really well, at least this year, looking at the defense on paper, is that they're going to stop the run. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, like I said, if you were going to put your eggs on one side of the defense's basket, it's the run defense, Mm -hmm. not the pass defense. Ravens on defense, they lost some guys for sure. Matthew Judon. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, but they didn't do a terrible job as far as finding guys that can slide in, and it's not like they went out and find them. I think they had those options in-house. Uh, Patrick Queen is a really good inside linebacker. Tyus Bowser and Pernell McPhee on the outside linebacker spots are solid, and LJ Ford has had a career renaissance in Baltimore. Thanks for doing that here in Pittsburgh, LJ. Uh, Wolf, Derek Wolf, and Calais Campbell up front in their base 3-4 defense with Brandon Williams in the middle. That's solid as it gets. And mm-hmm. then, of course, their secondary is a little shaky in the safeties department. Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott don't really strike fear in your hearts, but Marlon Humphrey is one of the top five corners in the NFL, and Marcus Peters can get that game elevated to a top ten level whenever he pleases, so they're really solid there. Um, going to be tough to run the ball against the Ravens. It always is tough to, bu- to run the ball against the Ravens. It's going to be tough to pass the ball against the Ravens, you know. This is going to be the part of the game that's the struggle for the Steelers, not their defensive side of the ball. It's putting points up offensively. Yeah. They got help from Robert Spillane last year with that pick six against the Ravens. I'm sure they would love the defense to score a touchdown for them this year against the Ravens. But, you know, it, it's kind of just you got to feel out the game and let it come to you. Is the run working? Okay, keep running the ball. Is the run getting shut down? But are you able to find, you know, five, ten-yard gains through the slot, throwing to Deontay? getting him away from Humphrey and Marcus Peters, okay, do it that way. You're going to have to really kind of adjust on the fly playing against the Ravens defense yeah. because from top to bottom, I think they're a really solid unit. It might be one of the best defenses in the league, top to Low bottom. Key. I mean, And it, it was uh, yeah. like that last year, too. Like, people forget, like, the Ravens offense gets all the headlines. They were a top five right. defense last year. <laughs> right, you know, like right. They, for the entire year, they were consistent. Yeah, they were. And, I mean, they're they're consistent on every level, too. It's not just like, oh, it's not just like they have two levels that are good. No, all three levels are really good when you look at the Baltimore Ravens. Like that you Patrick said, Queen pick last year, he's late, good, late in the first round, that's yeah. going to end up being a, di- a diamond for them. And I mean, pairing him with LJ Fort has really worked yeah. well. I mean, I don't think a lot of people would have thought that um, a couple years ago when he was here in Pittsburgh. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that LJ Fort wasn't going to be a player in the NFL right. for long. And then all of a sudden he catches on with the Ravens and he's, you know, pretty darn good i mean you, you, i mean last year i think he had a couple pick sixes a couple big plays i mean you know you pair him with a guy like patrick queen he's you know he can afford to make a couple mistakes but yeah when you look at the the ravens defense Their man it's third tough. corner jimmy smith might good. be the number two for the steelers he might be where i think Sutton he was I, I think, think he, he would, would be. be, too. So they are so deep at that position. They're really deep. Uh, and again, like you said, you're going to have to kind of play it by ear. You know, what's working this possession? It might go possession by possession, you know. Um, yeah, we, we ran the ball well this last possession, but you know the Ravens are going to be ready for it. Maybe we have to pass. And, and I mean, I know every game is kind of like that. Every game it's possession by possession. But I think it's even more so when it's with the Ravens because they do everything well defensively. Um, I think that's one of the scariest matchups, at least on the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers. And it's been like that for, I don't know, a couple of years <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, it's it's scary. But 
that's the division that the Steelers play in now. All all these teams have been doing something right in building up on to to get to this point where there are now three teams, possibly a fourth in waiting that can be Super Bowl ready. I think the Steelers got to sweep the Bengals. Like I said, I, I think they can get a split against the Ravens. I like that matchup between them. I think they'll be able to, um, excuse me, at least take one game from them, probably the game at Heinz Field. Although it's so weird with the Steelers and the Ravens. They tend to beat each other in the other team's house. Yeah. Like the Ravens it's, come it's up always here and, win, the and then the Steelers go down there to the bank and beat the Ravens. But I think they can earn a split. The team that I'm worried about getting swept by I hate to say this, but the Cleveland Browns, they have for years been under the foot of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. Now they've finally started to get it together where they've split the season series the past two years against the Steelers. They're going to be out for a sweep here. They're going to be out for blood. They've been, like I said, under the thumb of Big Brother for ever since they became an expansion franchise again and moved back to Cleveland or started back in Cleveland after they left for the, the Baltimore. Uh, it's, it's, it's terrifying, honestly. Yeah. And again, Mike Tomlin's not going to let it be a blowout either way. But even if you lose by a field goal both times, just getting swept by the Browns Those are is such too losses, unfamiliar right? territory for Steelers fans to be in. And, you know, we talked about how the Ravens have a really strong defense, maybe one of the best in the NFL, but the, the Browns' defense got so much better this offseason, and mm -hmm. that was the thing that they really needed to invest their time in. The offense really figured itself out last year. Uh, when Odell Beckham went down, honestly, strangely enough, was when they really found their identity. Baker right. was playing the best football that he has played since becoming a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, they went on a great run towards the end of the year. They win, I think, 11 games on the season, which is outstanding for the Browns. Still finished in third place because that's so Browns. You win 11 <laughs> games and you still finish in third. But they are able to win the playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And like we said, take the Chiefs to the mat, really force them to sweat out a victory against them in the AFC divisional round. And mm -hmm. you go home, if you're Stefanski, if you're the front office, and you sit down and you say, what you're a successful good. season. Yeah, you're that's nothing good. but a success. Right. But how do we get to the next level? It's by helping out that defense and proving that defense. They go out, they sign John Johnson the third at free safety mm -hmm. from the Rams. They go out and they get a steal in the draft in Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, projected by many to be in the middle of the first round, falls towards the middle of the second round. The Browns trade up and snag him. And one of the bigger free agent signings of the offseason was getting Miles Garrett's tag team partner, Jadeveon Clowney, on the other side of that line. From top to bottom, from the front to the back, that base 4-3 defense in Cleveland is going to be formidable. Yep. And if they can pan out the way that the front office and Stefanski hopes that they can pan out with the improvements that they invested into them, then this offense is going to have no problem putting up leads and maintaining leads behind that defense. So great compliment to a good offense in Cleveland is that defense that could be good to great this mm -hmm. year. Um, teams that are going to be contenders, they – invest in their weak spots browns absolutely did and there's no question they're not just an afc north contender they're a super bowl contender yeah they really are and again we're saying that in may and we've seen that you know two years ago against the titans they get blown out week one last year they get blown out by the ravens week one it didn't matter last year they still went to the playoffs and took the chiefs to the mat um and, and were a game away from the afc championship game but at this point yeah i, I mean i think it's fair to say that they are definitely trending in the right direction and again, we said it, it might a couple not even times. Be a trend anymore. They just might no, be there. They, I they think might they are be there. At that spot. Yeah, I think they're there. And 
Um, that defense was, I don't want to say weak because you have Miles Garrett and the defense wasn't awful last year. Denzel Ward's still solid. Yeah, but, but they, I mean, they supplemented those guys. Yeah. Like Ward and Garrett superstars. Now you've got supplemental feature pieces with Clowney and John It's not Johnson, even supplemental. Like, it's just you're adding on superstars. Adding stars. Yeah. yeah, and that's right where you want to be. And um, I again, uh, the offense, you know, the best compliment to that that offense, I think, is a defense that, you know, can get teams off of the field, you know, a three and out. Yeah, I felt like the Browns for the past year felt we win with offense. Mm-hmm. Now that pressure's a little bit off of that offense. Right, now. and you can more just run the – just do what you do well. Do what you did the last, you know, 11 games of the year if you're the Browns, and you can run the ball. Rely on Nick Chubb. Rely on Kareem Hunt. Which is going to keep that defense fresh. Exactly. It's, I think that's – again, That's I think the Steelers are looking at the Browns and saying, oh – Man, look what they did last year. They realized that we can't put all the pressure on our quarterback and run the ball a little bit. They Maybe got that a young helps. Gunslinger quarterback. They so, do. I mean, if they're doing that, then right. you need to look in the mirror at 38 year old Ben Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I, I think the Steelers looked, um, you know, it's a little brother and said, oh, they're adapting. Maybe we should start adapting. You know what? Little, there's, you know what, little brother's starting to look like. They're starting to look like the Big Pittsburgh brother. Steelers. Yeah. They're starting to build like we always build. Yeah. They're starting to look like you know your little brother who just hit puberty and now he's six inches tall. Oh wait, they're are. starting to figure out how to run a franchise, right. and I think that's the scary part for the Steelers uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Touched on it there. They have one of the best running games, if not the best running game in the NFL. Nick Chubb is top five, and Kareem Hunt is a incredibly talented back. He would start on almost all other NFL teams in the league, more than half of them. I think Kareem Hunt would slide in and be the starter. I think if Kareem Hunt was on the Steelers, he'd be the starter over Najee Harris to start the season this year. I just think that you know, he's gotten a little lost in the shuffle, off-the-field incidents in Kansas City, getting him kicked off of that team. Now he's at his hometown, Cleveland. He went to Toledo in college playing for the brownies hometown kid uh trying to find a career renaissance there trying to get his life back together and he's done a solid job for the browns in the past couple seasons in that number two role and he doesn't seem to have an ego and that's such a big Mm. thing for them is that it's so easy for a guy like hunt to yeah i gotta kind of get myself back together dust myself off but last year he really put himself back on that map played a full season for the browns and was really really good that you'd wonder if he would be like, okay, well, now I'm a starter again. Now I get to go out and beat. But you don't really get that sense from him. You really see him as being comfortable with that second fiddle to Nick Chubb. But it's also a lot of faith, I think, in Stefanski and that Browns offense being creative. And to he operate knows that both. just though I'm yeah. a second guy on the depth chart, I'm going to see 50% of the offensive snaps every single Sunday. Right. And I- and it's that – the running game is the scariest part for it the is. offense. It is. Far. I mean, that makes. I mean, that, again, the that identity plays, of the Browns. Right. It plays right into their hand, and I think it. It. It took a guy like Stefanski, and who I think is obviously the best coach they've brought in, and I don't know how many years. In their, Twenty years. Belichick, yeah. maybe the last one. Maybe. Like. Um, but I mean, again, it took him. You know, it took that long to find a guy that looks at it and, and clearly gives the Cleveland Browns an identity. How long has it been since the Browns? 100% you could look at the Browns in, in May and say, yep, I know what the Browns' identity is, other than them being bad. Like, I know what they're going to do, and I know how they're going to win football games. It's kind of weird, too, because you think, you know, at times they've had some decent quarterbacks or some decent coaches. Never at the same time have they had a guy like Stefanski. Yeah, like Derek had Harrison a guy, went to a Pro Bowl once. Yeah, had a guy like Baker at the same time. Right, and it was he, never the franchise guy. Like, Anderson right. had a good year. You you know, look but it was at, random. He was like 28 when that You happened. look at Drew Brees and Sean Payton. For a while, it was Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Bill Belichick and, and, and Brady. Mike Tomlin and Ben Mike Tomlin and Ben. That's It's the coach with the quarterback that 
led to a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson with Pete Carroll. Now you have Stefanski and Baker Mayfield. Could this be the next quarterback head coach tandem that is around for a decade plus? Well, all I know is usually Cleveland Browns' first-year head coaches get fired before the end of the season. This one came in and won 11 games. So that's an incredible step forward. One coach of the year. The only question mark that I have with the Browns before we wrap this episode up is Odell Beckham Jr. and how they use Odell how Beckham Jr. Use him, right? He's the best player at that wide receiver position. I still think he is, but they were a better team last year when it Without was Jarvis him. Landry, Rashard Higgins, and Donovan Peoples-Jones as the yeah. top three guys, and Baker was spreading the ball around, getting the ball to Austin Hooper as well, So, and, of course, relying on that running game. Now that Odell is back, you hope that Baker doesn't feel the need to force the ball to him because that's when Baker got in trouble uh, early in his career, feeling the need to force the ball to number 13, Odell. Hopefully Beckham doesn't you know, demand the ball too, too much. Of course, he's going to occasionally. That's just the way he's wired. He's still a number one wide receiver in his mind, and I think in my mind too, but Baker's got to be able to spread the wealth on that offense. He's got so many options in the receiving core that if Beckham, you know, has a game where he only has two catches for 15 yards, then he'd have another game where he has 10 catches for 145 yards. I mean, he's just got to swallow his pride, swallow his ego. And if Odell can just kind of stay in check and Baker doesn't feel the need to force the ball to him, then he just is going to add a completely other level to that offense this year. And it's going to take them over the top to the point where they might be the best in football. Yeah. And again, I I, I just wonder what. Oh, and Ryan Switzer's on the roster, too. Who cares? (laughs) Um, I just wonder all the way down there. I just wonder what they're going to do with though. But Odell at this point, you know, I know I, I said a couple the weeks ago trading him. Yeah, yeah but... I mean, and maybe that. I mean, I'm not saying that. But now you look at your roster and you're like, yeah. all his talent, and we have Odell. Like, yeah, come on. I hear you. I just wonder if that's coming. Maybe not this year, but in the near future. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. On the next episode, there's a couple of headlines I want to kick around, Tebow-related, in the NFL. And I'm also going to look at an early AFC hierarchy, Uh, not just the teams in the division, but how do these teams stack up against each other early, early, early on in the proceedings of the 2021 season as we have rookie OTAs coming up right around the corner this weekend. Things will be starting to go downhill fast as far as 2021's NFL season is concerned. It'll be kickoff versus the Bills before you know it. But for Jacob Recht and Kellen Gersky, I'm Tom Offerman. Thanks, as always, for listening to Steelers Standard, and we'll talk to you next time.